The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. 2 Samuel chapter 18 in your Bible with me. If you were here uh, for the Wednesday night service, I talked about the life of David when David had reached a low point in his life. This chapter gives us the lowest point, I think, in David's life. You will recall from Wednesday night, if you were here, that Ahithophel, David's counselor, his prime minister, had um, abandoned David, had defected to Absalom. Absalom, David's son, had rebelled against David and was in the process of taking over leadership of the country of Israel. Uh, Absalom made a fatal mistake, though. He asked advice. Now, um, Ahithophel gave good advice, but Hushai, David's friend, gave some advice to Absalom that was designed really to delay their attack against David. And Absalom took that advice. So during this time, as we read in chapter 17, David began to flee further and further from Jerusalem, but there was a huge delay in being pursued. We're thankful for that. And when Ahithophel found out that his advice was not taken, the Bible tells us in chapter 17 that he committed suicide. In chapter 18, David's men engaged the armies of Absalom, his son. And in that battle, something happened divine providence took over, and Absalom, who was riding his mule, we'll read about that in a moment, Absalom, who was riding his mule, got caught up in an oak tree, and ultimately Joab, the general of David's army, took the life of Absalom, the son of David. Look with me, if you will, at chapter 18, verse number 9. We'll read the story in the words of Scripture. The Bible says, and Absalom, the rebellious son, trying to take the kingdom from David. Absalom met the servants of David, and Absalom rode upon a mule, and the mule went under a thick boughs of a great oak, and his head caught hold of the oak, and he was taken up between heaven and the earth, and the mule that was under him went away. And a certain man saw it and told Joab and said, Behold, I saw Absalom hanged in an oak. And Job said unto the man that told him, Behold, thou sawest him? Why didst thou not smite him with, to the ground? And I would have given thee ten shekels of silver and a girdle. Now, I could see, by the way, taking the ten shekels of silver. I want nothing to do with the girdle. Who wants that? Verse number 12. And the man said unto Joab, Though I should receive a thousand shekels of silver in mine hand, yet would I not put forth mine hand against the king's son? For in our hearing the king charged thee and Abishai and Ittai, saying, Beware that none touch the young man Absalom. So this man was aware. David had said, Don't hurt my son Absalom. Whatever in the world you do in the battle, don't hurt Absalom. And he says, continuing, he says, Otherwise I should have wrought falsehood against mine own life. I, I would have done something against my conscience. The king ordered us not to touch his son. And there, he said, There is no matter that is hid from the king. Thou thyself wouldest have set thyself against me. You, you would have turned me in, Joab, had I been the one to take Absalom's life. Then said Joab, I may not tarry thus with thee. In other words, I don't have time for this. I'm out of Terry thus with thee. And he took three darts in his hand and thrust them through the heart of Absalom while he was yet alive in the midst of the oak. And so Absalom died. Joab 
was a man guilty of the death of Absalom. But in chapter 18, the story continues where two separate messengers came. They came to the place where David was hiding in security and safety while the battle was going on. They both came, of course, with the purpose to give news of the battle, but ultimately with the purpose to give news of the death of David's son. Drop down, if you will, in the same chapter, 2 Samuel 18, to verse number 28. And Ahimehaz called and said unto the king, All is well. And he fell down to the earth upon his face before the king and said, Blessed be the Lord thy God, which hath delivered up the men that lifted up their hand against my lord the king. David, there's good news. The battle is turned. We're winning the battle. And the king said, David said, not so concerned about the battle, David said, is the young man Absalom safe? And Ahimehaz answered, when Joab sent the king's servant and me thy servant, I saw great tumult, but I know not what that was. And the king said unto him, turn aside and stand here. And he turned aside and stood still, and behold, Cushai came, and Cushai said, Tidings, my lord the king, for the Lord hath avenged thee this day of all them that rise up against thee. And the king said, Cushai, is the young man Absalom safe? And Cushai answered, The enemies of my lord the king and all that rise against thee to do thee hurt be as that young man is. In other words, we've defeated his army and Absalom is dead. I want every eye, please, on verse 33. The Bible says in the king, this is David, of course, the king was much moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, thus he said, O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I had died for thee, O Absalom, my son. We understand the emotion that David felt in this moment at the death of his son. Even at the death of a son who had risen up in rebellion against him and who presumably would have taken David's life. We understand that emotion as something that is real, something that is genuine. We would never doubt the sincerity of David's heart cry. But there are words in verse 33 that come in all honesty from the mouth of David that defy the Bible. There are words in that verse that David spoke, and he spoke them aloud as he went up to a private place. Some of the men standing around him heard these words. There are words that David spoke out of an anguished heart with all honesty that go directly against Scripture. Look again at the second half of verse 33. Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I had died for thee, O Absalom, my son. Now, I do not for a moment doubt the sincerity of David's words. But the words, would God I had died for thee, are spoken in emotion, they're spoken in haste, but they were in reality a death wish. Here is David in reality saying, I, I wish I were no longer here. I wish somehow... In the providence of God, things had not fallen out the way that they have fallen out, and I wish I could be dead in Absalom's place. Why do you hear me, young people? Those words, though spoken in honesty, sincerity, and from an anguished heart, those words are very dangerous words. 
They are words that come from emotions that can sometimes run amok. Now, let's be very transparent here. We are all human beings, and every one of us has emotions. Do you know God made us with emotions? He did. So the emotion of joy, the, one of the chief emotions of the Christian life should be joy. That, that's an emotion. The emotion of sorrow, which is a legitimate emotion. There are times when we should have sorrow, those things. God designed us that way. In fact, every emotion that you have, every single one of them, is real. Now, I want you to hear this very carefully. Study in on what I'm saying right now. Every emotion that you have is real, but not all emotions are rational. Pastor Monty, what's the difference? Okay, God designed us so that our emotions come about as a result of a chemical process in the brain. So, for example, if a person (laughs) has a high level of serotonin, that's the sunshine chemical in the brain, and that makes us happy, and that makes us kind of lighthearted. That's something that the brain produces. We get the emotional feeling. Dopamine is another one like that, very positive. It is the, uh, it is the, the hormone or the, the chemical of anticipation. Have you ever been excited about something? Okay, I think I'm going to call the funeral director. <laughs> Have you ever been excited about something? Man, I can't wait until, what? Some of you guys are like, I can't wait until I find a girl. (laughs) Good luck, buddy. (laughs) I can't wait until school is over. And all God's people said? Ah, there you go. I just had to find the right nerve. I was going to keep trying. That that anticipation, that's dopamine. Now listen carefully. God designed your brain so that your emotions are generated by these things, okay? And so emotion fundamentally is good, but listen carefully. When emotions run amok, cortisol, for example, which is something that creates anxiety. When emotions run amok in a person, their emotional feelings are real, but they're not necessarily rational and sometimes they're not biblical. It is very possible for our emotions to run amok. I think when David said the words, would God I had died for thee, O Absalom, my son, I think in those words his emotions had run amok at that moment. They, they were real, but they weren't rational. I want us for a minute, young people, to look at David's death wish, his unreasonable wish. I want us to pull it apart a little bit. I want us to examine it. Now, let me make this statement. Um, and I would tell the, the faculty, staff, and administration, I struggled with presenting this sermon. About two weeks ago, the Lord laid this on my heart. And I thought, ah, no, that's not a chapel. I could preach some funny, light, happy-hearted. And every time I prayed about what God would have me to say, it all came back to this. And my desire today is to be a significant help If for just one person, then I'll be satisfied with that. David wished something very unbiblical. Would God I had died for thee, O Absalom, my son. Let's think about his wish. We're going to unpack it for a moment. I want you to notice, first of all, it was an impulsive wish. An impulsive wish. I want to caution you young people about impulse. Now, we're all human beings, so we all have impulses. Uh, sometimes some of us who have a short fuse, we have a quick impulse to anger. 
We all have impulses. There are some of us who have a really good sense of humor who laugh at all the wrong times. Guilty, right here. I see humor in everything. Guilty. It's impulsive. Sometimes I have to pack it down. I remember one time I invited to my church platform a PhD student who had an earned doctorate degree to come up and to lead in prayer. I'll never forget as he walked up to the platform, brilliant young man, by the way, graduate of this institution who shall remain unnamed, (laughs) brilliant young man, and he walks up to the platform and I notice something. I mean, this is a guy who knew the Greek. This is a guy who knew the Hebrew. This is a guy who knew the Latin. He wasn't even Catholic and he knew the Latin. I mean, this is a guy who knew it all. And he walked up to the platform and I noticed his shoes were on the wrong feet. I couldn't hold it back. I was, I was in tears trying to hold it back. This brilliant young man, and he's got his shoes on the wrong feet. And I leaned over to the song director. I said, have greeting time right now. I needed time to unload. We're impulsive sometimes. David's impulse here was fueled by anguish of a broken heart. You see, David was already vulnerable. He'd already apparently lost his kingdom He'd already been a man in exile now for some time. He had been exposed in his life to ongoing and multiple loss at this juncture of his life, and now he's lost his son. But may I make this statement? David's anguish was not the problem. His broken heart was not the problem. His conclusion was wrong. It is noble and right to feel emotion to feel sorry, uh, sorrowful over the, your own personal hurts or the hurts of someone else. In David's case, parental love, which is strong and sacred, was something that welled up in his heart. Now, David knew he had indulged all of his children, and the indulgence of his children had led many of them to their moral decay. But in spite of all of that, in spite of the rebellion, In spite of the way that Absalom had come behind him and snuck around his back and won the hearts of the people of Israel, in spite of all that, his love was very real. The anguish was not the problem. His conclusion was, David's impulsive wish was born out of anguish unrestrained, and his natural parental love now crossed a line. There's a real danger in impulsive emotion. Can I give you some ideas? Because you're you're thinking with me now. Let me give you some ideas. Never make a major decision in an emotionally charged situation. Never. Never. I I, I can't believe what happened at the college today. I'm just so mad. It was so unjust. I'm I'm leaving. I'm done. I'm packing my bags. I'm out. Don't, Don't do that. Don't do that. Because at the moment of an emotionally charged situation... You could make a major decision. But Pastor Monty, you don't know how unjustly I was treated. Oh, I do. I was a four-year student at a large institution in South Carolina, which shall go unnamed, in the 1980s. Oh, by the way, you think you have rules? This place is loosey-goosey compared to what we faced. Right, Dr. Much? And I remember one time a teacher treated me unjustly, gave me a D for a speech. A speech? This is all I know how to do right now. A speech. Gave me a D for a speech. Misinterpreted something I'd said, just like some of you do. And (laughs) some of you humanity majors, (laughs) let's not go there. 
We're, we're not going there anymore, okay? We're, we're done with that. Forgive me, humanity majors. <laughs> and I got a D, and I was super discouraged about that. I'm glad I didn't let my discouragement cause me in an emotional time to make a major decision. A second idea is this. Always learn to recognize your emotional state and factor that into every decision. See, some people don't just make bad decisions when they're sad. Some people make bad decisions when they're happy. Oh, I'm so excited. We're at the beach and there's a riptide. Hey guys, let's see if we can swim right into it. There's some people in this room who would do that. And by the way, you all know who you are. Sometimes an excited mood or a happy mood can make us make choices that aren't the best choices. Be, be, be cognizant of your emotional state. A third idea is this. Step back from emotionally charged situations and give them time. Step back and give them time. That's Pastor Marty. He broke up with me. He was my dream. He was everything I ever wanted. He was the best man on the face of the earth. By the way, if you think that way, young lady, you have a really limited social life, okay? <laughs> just, just saying, he's not the best man on the face of the earth. He's probably an idiot. <laughs> and something like that can be so crushing that we can make decisions, and what we should do is step back and realize it's not wise to make a decision right now. Step back, and by the way, step back and look around. There's more than one fish in the sea. <laughs> Always consider that. Be very careful about that. Don't, don't allow an emotionally charged situation to dominate your thinking. Step back and give it time. Pass one. I just can't get over it. But you will. You will. How do you know? Because I was in love with a girl who sat three rows in front of me in a class when I was a college student. I won't give her name because she might be watching. <laughs> it was the history of the philosophy of Western civilization. In a class like that, you could be in love with any girl. <laughs> it was a snooze fest, but I looked forward to it every day because three rows ahead of me, there she would be. She, she didn't walk. She kind of floated. You know what I'm saying? She, she was a beauty queen. I asked her out finally got the courage to ask her out on a date. Now, at the school where I went, it was an unspoken rule that if a girl were asked out on a date, she had to say yes to the first date. Is that true here? It's not. <laughs> what a shame. It gave the boys some advantage, okay? But where I went, you had to say yes. And so, so the girl graciously said yes. We went on a, a really exciting date to the dining common, I'll never forget. And, uh, and I thought things went well. So I invited her out on another date. And you know what she said? You know what she said? Do you know what she said? She said, no. 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 And for a nanosecond, my heart was broken until all of a sudden I came to my senses. And I realized that rather than have a broken heart over her, I should feel pity for her. Hey guys, this will work, this will work. I realized at that moment that she was missing out on the best opportunity of her life. 
I realized at that moment I shouldn't date her anyway because she's not too smart. <laughs> Sometimes you step aside from emotionally charged situations. Try to practice appropriate restraint emotionally and allow biblical thinking to overcome. Impulsive thinking is dangerous. But quickly, number two, David's wish, would God I had died for thee, his death wish. David's wish was also a hopeless wish. You see, the mind tends to exaggerate a negative situation, and he allowed that to happen. This major loss for David, and no one would doubt the fact that the loss of his son was a major loss. The major loss for David in his mind became a total loss, and there was nothing left to live for. He believed that Absalom's death was a life sentence for him to personal misery, and he saw no point in continuing, and so in sincerity and anguish, he said, would God I had died for thee, Oh, Absalom, my son, there's a problem. He took God out of the equation. In fact, in the moment of our deepest anguish and emotion, we become very narrow. We adopt sort of tunnel vision, and we forget about all the other good things of life. I am not against technology. I'm for technology. I have the latest iPhone, the latest and the greatest. I think it's the latest. It's 14. But you know what some of us have allowed ourselves to do? Please listen. We've allowed ourselves, to our world, to be as narrow as the phone that we hold in our hands. Some of us are really over-influenced by this, and here's why I'm saying this. I'm not saying this because I'm a 56-year-old curmudgeon who just doesn't like it. I like it a lot. I'm saying this because I've been there. I'm saying this because the world that I hold in my hands can become very narrow. Where's Pastor Johnson? I know he's here. Pastor Johnson, where are you? Come up here quickly. Don't, don't delay. You're wasting my time. Come up here. <laughs> Come here. Pastor Johnson, by the way, is my foster son, so I could treat him any way I want. I was going to call some rando up from the audience, but there is so much risk in that, and so I, I told him I was going to call him up here. So I want you to think about your cell phone for a moment. I'm not going to ask you if you're on social media or not. I know the answer to the question, but you know, when we go on social media, we post something, and then we look at it, to see if we got a, come on now, don't act like you don't have it. We look at it to see if we got a, like, a thumbs up, a heart, an emoji. Now, Pastor Johnson, I'm going to say something. I want you all to watch me. I'm going to say something, and you're either going to give me a thumbs up, a like, or you're going to give me a thumbs down, a dislike. Okay. Are you ready? I think so, yeah. I'm posting what I'm saying online. I love Pensacola Christian College. Give me a like or a dislike. (laughs) Okay, Okay. yeah. Very smart local pastor here. He's he's brilliant about that. Okay. Let's see. Let me think of another one. I love pickled herring. They don't even know what that is, but you wouldn't like it. Dr. Much, do you like it? Oh, you said that to me yesterday. You don't like it. I love it. I absolutely love it. Okay, okay. It's a Minnesota I'm, thing. It's a Minnesota thing. Right, I, yes. I, I, okay, I'm going to give you another one. I'm going to give you another one. I love history class. Eh. You can't do that. That's oh, not an option. Okay. It's not a social media I option. Go, I go thumbs up, yeah. Why? Because uh, you were my history teacher, and I'm in front okay, of you. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Now, how about this? How about this? How about this? I'm posting online now. I am the most handsome man in the world. Wow. 
Be honest. Can I just slide up on that one? Be honest. Keep scrolling. <laughs> be, be honest. Okay. Thumbs up. I'll give you a, okay. You're supposed to give me a thumbs oh, down. Fault. Okay. Okay. You. Thank you. Okay. Okay. He's giving me a thumbs down. Now, now, I like getting thumbs up. I don't like getting thumbs down. And people just do that all the time. But some of us, listen, our whole world is that. Am I right about that? Right. So we post something. I wonder, I wonder, wonder what Gertrude is going to say. I wonder, is she going to give me the thumbs up or is she going to give me the thumbs down? And Gertrude is sitting there saying, huh, Susie has posted again. Let me think this through. Ah, I don't really like Susie today because I'm a mean girl. And so she <laughs> mashes the thumbs down. And then Gertrude, in a nanosecond, sees that heart is crushed. Susie doesn't like it. My world's over. Okay, now, I want you to see something. What if we change the game? Change the game with me for a minute. Pastor Johnson, here's the new rules. For every thumbs up, it's free. You can give me a free thumbs up. Every time you give me a thumbs down, it costs you $10. Wow. Okay, you ready? Yes. You ready? <clears throat> I'm the most handsome man in the world. Yep, yep, okay? yep, yep. I like Bob Jones University better than Pensacola oh, Christian yeah. College. <laughs> if you were smart, you'd pay the 10 bucks. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, all right. That's <laughs> all you're getting from the preacher, right? Okay. Now, you Pastor Money, where are you going with this? I'm not entirely sure. No, <laughs> no, no. Here's what I'm saying. If a like were free, but a dislike cost a person $10, very few people would dislike anything you had to say. If their $10 transferred from that account, here's what I'm trying to say. Here's what I'm trying to say. It doesn't really mean anything. Do you see what I'm saying? It doesn't, there's no value to it. Well, Pastor Money, it's a, it's a like. Yeah, but it has no value. Oh, Pastor Money, it's a dislike. But they don't care enough about you to pay $10 to put the thumbs down. That was a random choice. Thank you, Pastor Johnson. Here's what I'm saying. When a wish becomes hopeless, when when life becomes hopeless, David's wish was hopeless, when life becomes hopeless, it's because we have too narrow a view. Pastor, where is our view? Look look at me, look at me. Hmm. It's God. It's God, the one who loves me, the one who is always there. I'm not going to allow the voice of circumstances or popularity to drown out the voice of God. Well, Pastor Marty, my emotions sometimes are so loud. Step back and say there is a God in heaven who loves me. By the way, there are hundreds of people in this room who love you. You say, Pastor, I just sometimes I feel so lonely. Can I say something? If you do, please. There are people in this room who would gladly listen to you. There's faculty and staff who would take their time and interrupt their schedule to help you. One of the saddest events a pastor ever has to do is to either perform or attend a funeral for a young person who took their own life. One of the things that I've noticed every time I've attended one of these is this. They are, without exception, the largest funerals I'll ever attend. Hundreds and hundreds of people come. Those people didn't come out of curiosity. They didn't come to push the like or the dislike button. Those people come with tears in their eyes. Those people come with a broken heart. 
And every one of those people wonders, I wish so-and-so would have just talked to me. They'll say something like this, you know, Pastor, we didn't know how so-and-so felt. Remember what I said at the beginning of the message? Your feelings are very real. But let me assure you something. You're never outside of the hope and love of God. And you are never, ever, ever far from someone who will love you, who will listen to you, who will care about you, who will acknowledge that what you feel is very real. You're never far from that. It's the lie of Satan to narrow your view so much that all of a sudden you think, I'd be better off gone. No, you wouldn't. And God in heaven has a plan for you. And when you recognize your emotion, when you read yourself well enough to know and step back and say, wait a minute, I believe in God and there are people who will help me, it is then that our emotions can come back in line. The Bible says this, weeping may endure for a night. Weeping's real. It's real. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.